You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Welcome to the Geekiest Show Ever, episode 58. Yet again, I am joined by my partner in crime and good friend, Kevin Alda. Kevin, how are you going today? I'm going well, Mark, and how about yourself? Not too bad, actually. You know what? I recorded the first anniversary episode of Not Another Mac podcast. It has been 52 episodes that people have been listening to me out there on the interwebs. And, uh, you know, I've had such wonderful guests over that period in time. I, I think I counted just over 100 people with all the different interviews I've done and the roundtable guests, yourself included, have been a valued guest on the show over the past year. And it's just remarkable where I've I've come from and, and where I am and, and just the amount of people that I've met and come across that just a wonderful group of people and everyone who's listened to the show, you know, I'm just so thankful that I've got such a great group of friends and such great listeners to the show. It's just a, a wonderful feeling. Well, I'd like to offer my congratulations. I you know, it's one of my favorite shows. It's how you and I got to know each other actually was from uh, besides uh, the chat room, we got to know each other on, I think it was like episode 10 or maybe I appeared on. Well, we've, we've way been on for a long time, definitely. So, so it was way back there. So, uh, But big congratulations. It's an awesome show. And if any of our listeners haven't listened to NAMP, not another Mac podcast, it's another one here on the Stoplight Network, please go over and have a listen. It's great content. You know, Mark and I both admit to being slightly Macintosh geeks. Uh, with an ever so slight uh, preference that way, uh, to borrow Allison's uh, Sheridan's line, but uh, <laughs> go over and have a listen, and uh, I think you'll really enjoy the show. Even if you go back all the way back in the back catalog and listen to the first few shows, it's still good content. It's still relevant, and it's a lot of fun and very entertaining. So, but congratulations to you, Mark. Job well done. Thanks, Kevin. And certainly, anyone who wants to listen to that show, the good news is. We talk Macs, but I'm not the type of Mac user who says that every single thing Apple releases is gold and we have to have it. I'm very much the whinging, whining little a- Apple guy over there. You know, <laughs> if, if there's something I don't like, I whinge about it. And, uh, you know, I was whinging about DRM and everything today and, and so forth. And, you know, look, everyone who's listened to this show since we've taken over would understand my whole topic on piracy and dvd blu-ray itunes and so forth where do you purchase content where do you you know have it secure for years to come and peter upfold who was a guest on not another mac podcast really started me on this backwards and forwards kind of topic where i was thinking you know i don't want to have to buy things two three four five times every time new technology comes out and he basically said look you know the only way you can be drm free perfectly well today is using dvd you can rip them to your hard drive you can have them on the shelf they're playable across everything and certainly you know that's that's definitely a concern is where do you play this stuff and am i limited to only playing a blu-ray on the tv because the macs don't support uh, blu-ray drives unless you get an external uh and you know there's, there's all these questions and then you know uh, itunes do i want to buy content on itunes because what if the movie studios change their mind and no longer want to support itunes will we then lose the content and access to that content so there's a lot of concerns you know, it's funny when I was listening to that episode just the other day. Um, it, it struck me that 
that's what he's doing. What Peter's doing is the same thing I'm doing for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm ripping it. I'm storing it off. I've got it. You know, even if it's not, even if I'm not ripping it in the best quality, you've still got. I it. still I still got it. And it I can play it anywhere I want. I mean, I can even put it on a thumb drive and uh, take it, you know, someplace and plug it into something and be able to play it. Yeah, it makes it nice and easy being able to do that. And look, you know, one day Apple may release their next iPad or the newest iPad or whatever they want to call it, and it may be crap. And we may say, no, we're not going to endorse this. We want to go somewhere else. Um, You know, and currently, if you buy in in just the iTunes ecosystem, which I've been doing for a while, you're really stuck there. You know, there are some other options available out there to strip the DRM. um, And... uh, one is called, and I did did write it down, uh, Requiem. Um, I'll, I'll try and get a, sh- a link in the show notes to that. It was mentioned to me on Not Another Mac podcast, which I recorded earlier today. And uh, apparently you can strip DRM off Apple's stuff, but you've got to do that on a Windows side of things. You can't do it on the Mac side of things. So uh, use Bootcamp or one of the VM apps to do that. Uh, and certainly we'll have more information on it, and I'll find out more about it this week. And and get back to you. But I've actually been collecting DVDs again. I've actually gone out to the the DVD store and I've actually been purchasing DVDs. You know what, to be quite honest, I've compared it, you know, for a while now I've been without Blu-ray, so I've somewhat forgotten the quality. But then I've had the Apple TV and I know that quality. And I've got to say, DVD is better quality than what Apple's pumping down over the Apple TV in standard def. Uh, there's a lot better depth of field, a lot more clarity and less artifacting that's happening, especially in those dark style scenes, uh, you know, where you've got shadows and, and so forth and not only shadows, but gradients and Apple's never been good at gradients. In my opinion, you look at something <laughs> like iMovie or something like Keynote and gradients are just this horrid thing. <laughs> it's, it's, um, <laughs> just, uh, you know, the, the, it's like a blue to, to grey background, and if you've ever seen a keynote presentation that they've done, they've got it up on the screen. They use that background, but it's absolutely shocking. It just doesn't. Gradients, they don't do well for some reason. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I'm collecting all the stuff that I really want, and, um, you know, I'm still in the market for a Blu-ray machine, and I, I probably will buy a few Blu-rays here and there. But... You know, a lot of the content out here is still uh, in standard def, and I've just recently purchased the the complete series of uh, Deadwood, um, which is just a a great television series. I don't know if you've seen it, Kevin. No, I haven't seen that one. What's that one about? It's basically going and and talking about the formation of the town Deadwood in the U.S., uh, and how the gold rush sort of uh, implemented and, and, and sort of built the town and then the characters that, that built the town. It's, you know, very violent, very vulgar. Um, you know, it's one definitely not to watch when you got kids around. Um, oh, I remember seeing the advertisement for that. No, I haven't seen that, but I know which one you're talking about now. Yeah, it, it's very adult-driven, um, so I've got to wait, of course, till the kids go to bed, which, you know, it's fine for me. I, d- I don't want them exposed to that. You know, they're, they're going to have long enough when they grow up to uh, be exposed to that kind of content. But just the, the acting in it is just superb, and unfortunately it only went for three seasons and they didn't continue on with it. 
And, you know, that sort of brings me into, I, I guess, a, a side topic of how long's too long for a TV series? Because, you know, you see sometimes that a good example is The Simpsons. That, for me, you know, once I got to maybe season 10, it started to go, not necessarily downhill, but there were episodes that were just, you know, a very specific style humour. Uh, that I just didn't get and didn't understand, so therefore I lost a, a lot of interest in the show. I know um, the X-Files, you know, uh, when David Duchovny decided to, you know, go and do other things and was only then ever on the show, uh, you know, periodically to, to deal with the main topic line. You know, they brought in Robert Patrick, and he's a great actor, you know, made his fame really, I suppose, in Terminator 2. Uh but you know, it just sort of it fizzled out, you know. It just it wasn't as strong and as powerful as it was in say the first five years, um, you know. And I look at something like Deadwood, and I think, oh wow, I want them to make season four. Uh, they never will. They've completely stopped production. Um, and I don't know. I think it's good to be sitting there saying, hey, I want more, rather than going. Yeah, I'm watching season eight, season nine, just so that I know every single storyline that was ever done. And um, I don't know. Well, do, you, do you have the same opinion, Kevin? Well, with some shows, yeah, they they do tend to. I think The Simpsons have been doing what twenty? They're at season twenty-two or something like that now. I can't remember. I think. 23. Okay. I haven't watched it on a regular basis for a long time. I still watch it when I get a chance. Um, one, I didn't, uh, my, uh, one of my kids was picking up some of Bart's habits. So that's why I stopped watching <laughs> it when they weren't around. I didn't think that was appropriate, but he, yeah, there wasn't even his shorts. Was he? <laughs> no, 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 that's no, not that, not that. Uh, don't have a cow, man. Don't have a cow. <laughs> um, but, um, I still enjoy the Simpsons. I enjoy popping in to watch it. I carry uh, the the uh, Mapple episode around mm. on my iPod all the time just to watch. Matter of fact, the other day I was eating lunch at work and wanted just something light while I sat there and ate because I didn't have a, a long lunch break or I'd done some other things. So I put that on. I'm sitting there watching that, eating my sandwich, and you know, just laughing and having a good giggle at that episode. That's a really good one. Um, but, yeah, there are shows that, that go way past their useful life cycle. But the really interesting part is the fact that people like yourself and me, we keep watching these shows for whatever reason. I mean, I used to love, well, I used to, I shouldn't say that, uh, the show Andy Griffith. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, the American sitcom. I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. It was a great show the first few seasons, and then they started making character changes and things like that, and I understand that, and that's okay. But the show, they really started to beat a dead horse the last few years of that show, and I, I, that's one that I can't bring myself to watch the last couple of years of that show. Of that show, excuse me, um, because of the, the, I don't they they tried to bring in characters that just didn't really, to me, meld in, and I think that's what happens when a show goes too long. You know, a character change out on some shows is good. Uh, I'm a big CSI, the original series fan, and they've had a lot of character changes, and so far it's worked. But they are going to hit a point, just like any other show does. Um, you know, where it's just not going to work anymore. And, and, you know, I don't care how big a gravy train it is. You know, I would think the writers of the shows themselves would want to give up after a while because 
you know, maybe I'm not as creative or maybe I don't have the creative juices that some people do, but it, it would seem to me like you would just wear out. You wouldn't, you know, you can only come up with so many different twists and turns and plot lines unless you just stay topical as for what's going on, you know, you know, around you. And that, and that can be difficult if the show's set in a particular time or, or, or you know, a uh, particular era of history or in the if it's in the future how do you pick up current events and take them forward and make a show out of it so yeah i, I agree that's a long way around to saying it i do agree that some shows go on too long but i also think it should be a requirement even if a show gets canceled that they let them do a, a close out and wrap the show up oh, in some way and, and not a cheesy ass one like they do sometimes <laughs> Well, if if you look at it, um, you know, Firefly ended like that. It ended suddenly, and then they they uh, made a movie to sort of end it out. And uh, what what's the other one? It's one of my favorite all time series, and unfortunately, I, I don't have it in front of me anywhere. It's um, Farscape. They did exactly the same with that. They got to season four, and then decided, no, we're not going to renew it for another season. Then had to quickly pump a movie out. Now, sometimes those movies work and they sort of, you know, finalise the show. Sometimes they leave more questions and they give answers. They, they even did it to the X-Files as well. They tried, yeah. to, tried to close out 10 years of storyline uh, in just one movie. And to be quite honest, I watched it. And, you know, I, I watched the whole 10 years of the X-Files. I'm still very fond of that show. In my opinion, that was one of the shows that changed tv um and made it more dramatic i guess if you would call it that or just made it deeper and less corny uh i know that's really bad sort of uh, language to be trying to use to get a point across but i, I feel that we wouldn't have t television shows like deadwood like uh you know enterprise like um Help me out here, Kevin. <laughs> uh, Heroes. I'm trying to think of, yeah, Heroes, Heroes was little and uh, ended poorly. Lost. I, I don't feel that we'd have these shows that are, are somewhat mini-movies without a yeah. show like The X-Files. And I feel, you know, yes, we've had Star Trek, uh, you know, uh, The Next Generation and the original series and all of those wonderful shows. And they were good, but, you know, you watch them back now and, and they're very dated, in fact. I... um. I but, don't. But you know, that's the true telling of a. Like I was talking about with the Andy Griffith show or any show. That's just an example. I can rewatch all the old, the first, I think it's five seasons of Andy Griffith that it was on. And I, I've seen them. I know the show and I know what's going to happen. But that's truly good television when a show's. That show was made, I think, starting in 1960. Mm hmm was the first season or maybe 1959 yet i can still watch it yeah it's dated you know there are a lot of things in there that, that do it but that's truly the test of good television or even a good movie and you know sure. we've talked about that if it holds up i mean you and i were having the conversation on twitter uh about i was watching uh the movie hackers mm -hmm. i mean you talk about some dated technology <laughs> when you watch that movie yeah, but well, I can't the, the rip myself away from them. Oh, I know. Yeah, the net's the same. And I've even read the book that the movie The Hackers was based on. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, but I can't rip myself away from watching that movie about once every three to six months. I have to watch that movie. 
I, I don't I, know what it is. You know what I think it is? I think when that movie came out, we were at a certain stage in technology. Um, you know, the, the computer was becoming more an accepted device in the home. More people were adopting it. The internet was fresh. It was new. It was... A very intriguing time. Um, you know, I, I often sort of look at my kids and I think, you know what, you're going to outlive me, fingers crossed, touch wood. Um, and I, I think, wow, you're going to see so much more technology and so much more advancement than I ever will. But then at the same time, I, I reference back and I think, you never saw the dawning of the internet. You never saw the personal computer coming into the home. And I think those movies bring that back to us to say, hey, you know, we lived through this. We remember this kind of technology. We remember these machines, this kind of interface. Uh, and admittedly, some of them have errors, <laughs> you know, and some oh, very, yeah. very good errors. Um, you know, I, I, rem- I, is it, I haven't seen the net for a while, but I, I think it's the... The net had a, a video conference in feature or something, and you know they did this in a lot of movies uh, back, oh, yeah. back in the day before video conferencing was there. Before, I mean, video conferencing has always been there. I was using it over dial-up at one stage. It wasn't good, but you could do it. And um, you know, I, I, I think oh, they did it in Jurassic Park as well. Um, yes. which really dates the movie. All they had was basically a little quick time video that they were playing and then the actor was just responding to the computer. And, you know, at the time, not many people knew about the technology, so it was one of those things that you could sort of bluff it through and it was only really hardcore geeks that would know it. Uh, but now you look at it and you go, oh, that's awful. But at the same time, you look at that and you go, jeez, you know, they they had video playing on that, and I wonder what version of QuickTime that was, and you know, I, I wonder what resolution that was set at because it's only a small image, and I, you know, and it's like in Jurassic Park, I think they're using a a Quadra nine hundred system that was, I think sixty six yeah. megahertz or something in speed, and and it was just, it it takes me back to a a, a golden time, I guess, in computing where. There, there was so much imagination, so much moving forward that we were just living in awe constantly. And I miss those days sometimes. I look at things like iPad and I look at things like our big computers and fast computers now and everything happens in the blink of an eyelid. But you know what? Sometimes I like sending an email and still watching the little barges you know especially when you send attachments and you see it's taken a little bit of time and you see the little <laughs> the little message bar go across because that used to be our lives i mean you know back years ago back in the late 90s we used to sit there and watch everything render and well remember when you would go to copy a file off to a floppy oh and you dear. could watch the progress bar you know go go Clickety click click you know percentage you right. hear it, it too the, the sound of the floppy drive yeah being, being recorded onto back and forth back and forth that, that well, that's, you know, that's gold to me that's that's just that's positive memories even you know the the old dial up modem sounds um I love oh, yeah. that it just it takes me back to a time when computers were the geeks domain and and now. It's still the geek's domain, but it's very mainstream. 
it's not, and it's it's also, I suppose, not necessarily as exciting as it used to be. Either that, or I'm just getting a bit old. Um, and there <laughs> remember is, which one of us is older now. <laughs> very true. Um, but you know, I, I sort of look at it, and I used to have more fun and tweak my old systems back in the '90s a lot more and fiddle a lot more. Now I don't fiddle as much. I don't know why. Um, but I used to have more fun. Well, you know, I, I, I it's interesting that we were talking about this. I forget what I was doing the other day, and I had, I had the terminal window open on my Mac as I was sitting here, and I was doing some stuff in the terminal. I think it was because of the flashback stuff. And then when I got in the terminal, then I had just had to play because I really enjoy it. Because of that old feeling of when you used to have to really know how to navigate around the system, mm-hmm. you know, you, it wasn't point and click. And uh, what my oldest uh, uh, child walked in and looks at it and goes, wow, that's cool. How do you know how to do that? And <laughs> I'm going, well, that's kind of the way you did it. Because I remember the first mainframes I used to work on. And yes, I did work on mainframes, IBM System 36s and stuff like that. I go back that far in computing and um, – it was, you know, you had to know the command line. You had to understand the syntax of what you were trying to do. And, uh, you know, it, it is it is truly amazing what we've seen and what, you know, what our children are going to see as time goes on as far as technology goes. It, it is just completely blows my mind to think about it. But, you know, it, you know, time moves forward. You know, another funny thing related to that, too, is I remember my mother talking about um when i first uh got a computer i bought a the first pc i was actually a pc not a mac that i bought that i bought brand new anyway and she said wow why did you spend all that money you should have bought another vehicle to do because i was delivering the uh, washington post at the time Mm -hmm. you should have gotten another vehicle to deliver the post that's where the money is and I often go back and tell my mom, yeah, you know, look, you know, 30-some years ago or whatever, or 20-some years ago, I said, look at that. You know, I could have spent that money on a car or something to deliver the paper in, and I really wouldn't have the job I have now at doing what I do. I mean, I've been in IT for since uh, 80, 1989 or something. I've worked professionally in the IT field, so, and I was a hobbyist before that, so... I often like to tell her that story as well. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly a, a different world that we're we're moving into, and you know, I, I know my son. Admittedly, he's only five years old, but he'll he'll wake up in the morning before he even says good morning. He goes, "I want my iPad," and then I have to, you know, dictate to him. No, what do you say? You know, get him to say good morning and everything. <laughs> but he he doesn't have a clue. It's just this window to all this stuff that he's interested in, but he doesn't have a clue about the technology behind it. And, you know, I I often think back to what we were using 10, 15 years ago and where we've come. It's just absolutely remarkable. And then, you know, you watch a period drama, and you know, and I'll just reference Deadwood again, and you see the formation of colonies and, you know, people, you know, just trying to you know, collaborate together in real life to just make a living and make a home and and make a community. And then you think, okay, fast forward that 100 to 130 years where we are now. And you think, holy cow, you know, we've got this, these devices, you know, forget, let's just call iPad a generic, you know, 
the the iPad name is synonymous. Um, you know, it's like iPod. It just means a music player. iPad is pretty much anything with just a display. And, you know, something like that, you, you just can't possibly even fathom it. When you look at history and how quickly all this stuff has come about, it's absolutely remarkable uh, to, you know, coin a phrase from Tim Robertson. It's magical. <laughs> it, it truly is. I mean... You know, we sit here, you and I have talked about this before. I don't know if we've talked on air. I mean, we live how many thousands of miles apart? How, and, you know, and, and here we sit recording a show, um, and, and we take it for granted now that we can do something like this. You know, and, you know, just 10 years ago, it would have almost been completely unheard of. I remember when Skype first started being talked about way way back in the uh, I don't know if you ever got to see the uh, uh, the show on tech TV um, the screensavers and um, oh crap there goes a geek point for me I can't remember the name <laughs> of the show um, that like people like Kevin Rose and, and Sarah Lane were mm -hmm. on way way back in the day and they said oh yeah there's this new thing called Skype you know I talked to all my friends on it it's really cool and and all this and you know I'm thinking wow what is this Skype thing and you know here we are less than 10 years later, you and I are using it to communicate halfway around the world and record a show that hopefully hundreds, maybe even thousands or God willing, millions of people might listen to at some point in time and then tell us for a bunch of, tell us for a couple of idiots, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, we don't mind. Well, you, you know what? We, we get a lot of feedback and, uh, you know, we, we, we got feedback this week from, uh, an unnamed source, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to credit this person because they offended our geekery, Kevin. They did. I, I, I think it was, it was very rude. It, it, you know, it, it was extremely rude. We have been nice, very, very nice to this one individual. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just say he believes that we're sissies. For turning yes. rock, paper, scissors into rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock. I mean, it's the perfect addition and update of the game. Abs how, how can you be a sissy because you improve it? You know, I, 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 I think what it is, Kevin, is some people just don't want to take the time to learn the rules. That's right. And if I had to recite those rules... I'd probably end up with my tongue wrapped around my nose trying to do it. <laughs> so would I, actually. But you know what? It's good because Wikipedia actually has all the rules down, which is really... Uh, I'm not sure if it's Wikipedia or if it's just a wiki, but it, it's one of the two. Um, I'd love to know. I'd love to know how many takes it took them to get Jim Parsons. And not only did he do it... I can't tell if it's cut, if he did it two times consecutively... Uh, or that he did it one time and then another time and they cut it together to look that way. But he does it twice in a row in the episode of Big Bang Theory mm -hmm. where it comes from. But then how many times did it take him to say all that correctly? Uh, you got to give the guy credit. That's talent oh, when you absolutely. get through all that. You know, and, um, you know, I was watching one of the Comic-Con um, presentations that, that that they had where they go up on stage and answer questions and i can't remember the exact terminology used or anything but he did say that it it took a long time and um the the actor and i can't recall his name at the moment who plays raj um 
you know, after each time he stuffed it up, was just laughing his head off. Um, it, it was very comedic <laughs> then. Um, so yeah, it would it, it been something that you've got to tip your hat at that because, uh, boy, that, that would have been absolutely hard. So, uh, yes, to that unnamed individual who said that we're sissies, you know, bring it on. I'm just going to pull up my kilt and we'll move on past it. I I think so. Let's not let's not dwell on it too too long. Sissies, <laughs> sissies, what a joke! Yeah. Uh, some people that go on the hide. <laughs> to, to, to think I wanted to have him on this show sometimes. I don't know. He, is he, he 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 may be metaphorically dead to us. We don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Let's see if he redeems himself by next week. Moving on to brighter things. You know what? I had a chance to play with the, the PSP Vita this week. And I, I think I complained about it a few weeks ago where I went around to the stores. No one had one on display. Well, thank God they pulled their finger out. They pulled one out of the box and they put it on display. And uh, I was able to actually play it. And, uh, you know, I, I was listening to Tech Fan the other day and Tim Robertson was, uh, you know, he bought one because uh, he, he's a big believer of not commenting really on technology until he actually has it in his hand. And, I, you know, frankly, I think that's just an excuse to come buy new toys. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think that's real, Tim. If you're listening to the show, and I know he does listen, so uh, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm I, it's something you we all. It's something we all suffer from, but but I have to have it, dear. I need it because I've got to talk and speak in an informed manner. I know. Aren't we full of it? <laughs> yes. Um, and, and anyway, so uh, you know, I think I've mentioned before I'm a 3DS owner, and I've been a portable game lover for years. I absolutely love portable gaming. Now, I must admit, I, I do miss my PlayStation 3 occasionally. I still have the Wii, um, you know, which I enjoy playing games with the kids. But, I, you know, one of the big problems with having the, the um, gaming system on the TV with young kids around, they walk in front of the screen. They're constantly on you nagging and so forth. Or they oh. want to play their games, you know. So hey, what is it? What is it with them? You know, you know what? It's even worse when you go into a store and you see a game that you want to have a demo of and have a play of, and this five-year-old kid's playing the game, not playing it correctly either, and just and you wait in there, and ten minutes later, you feel like saying, "Hey, kid, do you have a job? Can you afford to buy this game?" No, then bugger off. <laughs> you know, now, you so know what, many times that has happened. You know but, what's worse than that? What? Going in and playing against one of those kids and getting your the crap beat out of you on the game. <laughs> yeah, I've had that happen a couple of times as well. Um, it, it's good to know that gaming is still alive and strong in the young generation because it is a lot of fun. Um, but it, it, any, anyway, you know, it, it just gets too complicated to sort of have the gaming system. And then the games I like to play, they're generally the very, very violent games. Uh, you know, a couple of my favorites on the PlayStation 3 that, you know, I played before my PlayStation died was Darksiders. Just absolutely brilliant. Um, Heavy Rain, which is, you know, just, it, it's almost like a movie style game. Um, and you just follow it through, but it's it's very depressing i guess if you let it become <laughs> depressing um it, it's absolutely stellar but again it's one that you wouldn't want to have young kids watching or seeing or being a part of and then my all-time favorite game ever ever is bayonetta and okay yeah she's got a good looking rear end i'm not arguing <laughs> that 
Okay. It's wanna... back to rear ends with you, isn't it, again? Well, Here we go. you know, <laughs> let, let's just say I may have a fetish. Um, and that, that'll give that unnamed uh, listener something to complain about this week. Um, but in, in all honesty, it, it's a great game. It, it's very reminiscent of Devil May Cry, if you've ever played that game. Um, but literally, it's the only game that I spent ever one 12 hour gaming session on a Saturday playing and did not get up other than to, uh, go for a, um, a a little toilet break, let's say. So, um, you know, it it was really, really enjoyable and, and I absolutely love it. But the bottom line is that, you know, portable gaming is really cool because I can go and sit in a corner and I can actually get absorbed with the, the game and, and just really get into it. So, you know, I love the 3DS. And previously, I had the PlayStation Portable. It was an absolutely great title. Uh, great title, what am I saying? Absolutely great console. And had some brilliant games on it. And I thought, okay, you know what? I'll give this PlayStation Vita a uh, a little bit of a run. See what it's like. So, I, I played uh, Virtual Tennis 4, I believe it was. And um, I also played... Um, I've actually got it on the 3DS Ridge Racer. And you know what? They were good. And, you know, a lot of sort of sites and that have, have been saying, that, you know, it's PlayStation 3-ish graphics. And I, I wouldn't say that. I'd say it's PlayStation 2 with PlayStation 3 steroids. Um, it, It's extremely good. But I, I just looked at it and I thought, this doesn't really offer me that much more than than what I was used to. And admittedly, I would have liked to get a game, say, like Uncharted, uh, you know, because that's been basically the, the game of choice uh, for anyone buying the system, That just the, the graphics and the depth of game. But then, you know, Tim was saying on the tech fan that he wasn't that blown away either. So, you know, it, it's interesting to see that they've done some cool stuff with it. I love the dual analog sticks, and it feels very comfortable in the hand. But you know what, Kevin? I don't think I'll be buying one. I think I'm quite happy with my 3DS, and um, I, I think I'll keep that. Well, you know, it's odd. I don't, I don't really play portable games unless I'm playing them on my iPod or my iPhone or my iPad. Um, I the, the last portable game system that I bought that I used myself was the uh, uh, Mattel Electronic Football here in the United States, and I believe that was circa oh, let's say 1979, mm-hmm. maybe or so. It was the last portable game system I actually used. Uh, I, I, but, I, I, Kevin, this this will depress you. I was born, okay. I was born in 1979. Okay, uh, I mean this in only the kindest possible way. I hate you now. The, um, <laughs> but, you, but, but you got to play a ton of stuff that, you know, I never got to experience. It's the same sort of thing that we were talking about earlier with, you know, I got to experience the internet revolution and, and internet coming in to play and being one of the very first people using the internet, whereas my kids just take that for granted. So um, it, it's interesting. Yeah, it is. Um but PlayStation or portable gaming in and of itself, and I, I keep toying with the idea that I want to either get a. Uh, uh, you've got me thinking about the PSP or the it's the PSP Vita, which is the current one now. 
Um, are they still selling the original PSP? They're still selling. Well, in Australia they are. They're still selling the original, and they they've marked the games. All games now are fifteen dollars or less, and um, that they, they actually changed it from the uh, three thousand series model, uh, not back to the thousand series, but they they it's like the ten ten series or something. Anyway, what what they've done is they've actually taken out some features, so now it's just it, it's cheaper, but now it's just purely gaming. I think they took out the networking capabilities, which, to be quite honest, you're not really missing out on much. Um, the the networking stuff was never really that strong on the the PlayStation Portable, the very first one. Uh, although I, I did really enjoy uh, Resistance uh, Retribution, playing that online. Um, you know, again, online gaming is good, and you see a lot of these game companies coming out with, "Hey, multiplayer, let's let's do this." But unless you're a AAA title with you know millions of people using the game, you're not going to have a good online experience. And actually, speaking of online experiences, I forgot one that one game that I spent way too many hours and days playing on the PlayStation 3 and that was Blur. It's a it was a racing game with different power-ups and uh predominantly it, it sort of had it had a single player campaign but also had multiplayer and I actually never played the single player um because the multiplayer was just so strong. It was just absolutely brilliant to just you know pick up a power up blow up the car in front of you it, <laughs> it was fun and just get really angry with all these you know kids that were, were playing and racing against you and then you know you'd, you'd be going that last lap going around the corner and you'd beat them across the line and you know you'd be cheering and you know the the family would look at me like i was a complete moron <laughs> oh yeah really i i i know that because when we first got the wii and I got hooked on uh, Mario Kart. Oh, Mario oh that Kart was, was cool. That was devastating. <laughs> and then, and 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 I sat there, and I had to get gold cups all the way around, you know. <laughs> and everybody else kind of gave up on it. I said, No, no, no I got to do this. I have to do this. And it was like self-consuming. And they were sitting around. Uh, my entire family has. Uh, well, now they have DS XLs. I don't have one because the things are so little, and my eyes aren't that good. So. Um, well, at least the original DSs. The DS XLs are, it, it, are good enough that I yeah, can... Yeah, the, the XL is pretty good. They, they actually went backwards when they released the 3DS um, because they... I know. They, they made the bottom screen smaller. and Now, now the top screen is bigger, but it, it's more a widescreen view. It works well, but I can certainly see if your eyesight in, isn't the best, then going smaller just wasn't a, a good move. Um and you know what, for, for someone like me who has, you know, sort of the type of hands I do where, you know, the fingers are a bit chubbier and so forth. And sausage fingers so, sausage get used fingers, to it. Absolutely. it. It gets very hard. You can see that it was designed more for people with smaller hands. And certainly it's a Japanese uh, manufacturer, Nintendo. Um, and, you know, their biggest market is, of course, Japan. So they're going to make... Uh, the the platform specific for that market. It was also interesting though to see with the PlayStation Vita that even though their market is also Japan, that I felt much more comfortable holding it uh, than I did the uh, the 3DS. I think you know right now I play maybe up to an hour of the 3DS at a time and then put it down because it makes my hands feel a little bit cramped. 
Whereas I think the, the Vita, I could probably play two, three hours at a time quite comfortably. Um, which is interesting. Um, I certainly won't get rid of my 3DS anytime soon because I love Nintendo games. It's just, there's something good about original titles that come out of Nintendo. Uh, but Mario Kart, but you know, uh, whatever they're doing, whether it's a, a certain Mario Land game, a Metroid game, whatever it is, when they produce their first party stuff, it is absolute gold and uh, it just works. Admittedly, there's been some real, you know, bad Mario games um, yes, over the years. So, you know, saying that every single one's good, <laughs> you know, it, it really isn't. Um, but Oh, I remember showing my kids uh, the original Donkey Kong mm-hmm. and they were going, that's it? <laughs> that's all you do? I said, you got to understand, this was state of the art. People lined up to play this game, Donkey Kong, and they said, well, where's Mario? I said, that's Mario. They said, that's not Mario. I said, yes, it is. Look at it. That's Mario. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Kevin, have you played Donkey Kong Country on the Wii? No, I have not. Try and track down a copy. Get a copy. It is absolutely brilliant. It will drive you insane for hours. Uh, But it's one of those good insane things where you just want to keep going. And... They've done it in such a way that because of the shell, uh, yeah, shell shading, I believe it's called, um, of, of the characters and the environment and so forth. Even though the Wii is the the sort of low resolution gaming system in comparison to the PS3 and the uh, Xbox 360, the graphics just pop on this. It, it just looks absolutely superb. Um, and what they really did well is it's the traditional side scroller. But I three, love side scrollers. But it's got 3D elements. So you'll go one way and then you'll need to jump into the screen and then you'll need to go the other way. So you'll go to the right-hand side, jump into the screen, go to the left-hand side, missing every bomb that's exploding and everything that's happening and all the enemies. And then you'll need to go back again. And it, it's one of those... I, I love those games that are 2D but 3D. So you've got... The, the 2D elements all the way through, and it's very reminiscent of a, a simple 2D platformer, but it's also got that next level that allows you to go behind something or hide behind something um, and, and just play it differently. Uh, oh, man. It, it works well. I just adore side-scrollers. I can remember way back in the day, um, did you ever play a game called Commander Keen? No. And I haven't it was even a, heard of it, so give me a Oh, uh, it's, it's an old PC game. Yes, I did have a PC. That that thing cost me more lost nights of sleep playing this game. It was, um, you had this little character, and he was called Commander Keen, and you had to go through this world, and you had like a map. I mean, it's just typical side-scroller type thing. You had a map, and then you went down into a world, and you had to clear that world, and then you came back up, much like the you know the current Mario games and stuff are now. Um, but it was you had to jump around. I mean, when I discovered this, this was I was I think I was playing it on a uh, probably I want to say it was a. 286 or might have been a 386 class machine, you know, with, a, you know, a video card that probably had like 64 kilobytes. Yes, folks, kilobytes of RAM on it. 
and I would just spend hours hunkered over the keyboard playing this game on and on. You know, I'd stay up to like three o'clock in the morning during the week playing this silly game because I was going to complete it and get through every freaking world and get all the way to the end and rescue. It was a princess that you rescued, if memory serves me correctly. Oh, it's it always been a princess, though, in Side Scrolls. So, you know, if you didn't have to rescue a princess, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, this was this was late 80s. I want to say it was like 1989, 1990 maybe, mm-hmm. when this game was popular. It was about the same time the original Castle Wolfenstein came out. Oh, yes. Which was, which was the first FPS I ever played. Um, you know, and that, then I got all the add-on packs for that. That was, uh, I had the Barney add-on pack cause Barney annoyed the hell out of me. And, uh, uh, you got to go through and kill Barney at the end. He'd be sitting there going, I love you. And then just hit him with the machine gun. He keeps singing, you're going to die dinosaur. You're going to die. And, uh, it you know, was you know great. What's amazing with games like that is they came on two floppies. <laughs> Oh yeah, you know it, it was we, incredible. You'd you'd load it up, you'd install it off, you know, occasionally more floppy uh, discs and so forth. But you know, I, I remember when um, Sim City, and and that was one of my favourite ones around the same time. I as love well. Sim City, and that was on one floppy disk drive. It fit on the one point four megabytes of space, and you know, it's like now you couldn't even fit anything on 1.4 megabytes of space. You know, it's like... Oh, I know. I love SimCity. Incredible. Um, oh, look, I, I've always wanted to go back to SimCity, and, you know, they, they've done a few different versions over the years. Um, and I, I don't know, I just... I love the original so much, and I had so much fun. It's like one of these things that you sort of... You, you see a remake of a movie or something that you really like, and you think... Yeah, do I want to take a chance? Did they ruin my my perception or feeling about this? And I look at, at some of the games like that, and I, I think the same way, you know, and as a result, I've never played, you know, any other edition of SimCity. I haven't wanted to destroy the opinion and the love I had for the original title. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably I, a bit strange. It's the same with Tetris. I love the original 1989 Tetris that came out with the Game Boy. Um, you know, that was just absolute gold. And, and thankfully, you can get that original one for, for I think, $7 uh, on the 3DS oh, wow. now, which is really cool. I actually still have to buy it. I haven't bought it yet. Um, but I saw it the other day, and it's like, wow, that that's cool. Because you look at all the new versions of Tetris, and they just don't interest me. The old-fashioned, simple blocks, you know, get it done, have fun. You know, I'd spend hours playing it. You know, the battery would die before I'd stop playing. Um, oh, I, I, there's simple games like that. I mean, I know online gameplay, you know, competing against people halfway around the world and having or having some kid in a foreign country beat your pants off you, just like I was talking about earlier when you were <laughs> in the store. Um, but the simple ga- the games, excuse me, the simple games that you play, where it's just you and you know the game going at one another, uh, the 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 sort of AI type of little bit of AI that was in those sort of games back then, it's just totally immersive, and you can really lose yourself and part of your life if you're not careful um, playing those types of games. But I do love some of those old games like that. I tried was a, not too many years ago. I tried bringing up some game I'd 
that was an old one from the uh, mid-80s that I'd had. I can't remember what it was called. I think it was called Styx. S-T-Y-X. Was that on the... uh, Oh, that was on the... I I think I've seen it before, and I I want to say it was on the Linux. Uh, another it Linux. was yeah on, on I the Lynx. Sorry, on the Lynx uh, portable gaming system. And actually, speaking of that, that was a pretty cool portable gaming system because you know whether you were left-handed or right-handed, it didn't matter because you could actually turn it around, and the screen it wouldn't auto rotate. I don't think. I think you had to tell it to rotate. Yeah, you um, had to flip a switch or something like that. Yeah, to get it to- but but it had the the square pad, and then it had bottom and top, so it had four buttons um, that you could interact with the game on. And of course, when you you turned it around, they were at the bottom, you know, or if you preferred at the top, you know, whichever way you preferred to play it. It, it was an interesting concept, uh, but that died unfortunately. So did the Super yeah. Game Gear, and the Super Game Gear, I think, was the first color portable that was out. And that, that was cool. Uh, I, I, I remember seeing uh, a friend had it, and, um, you know, I remember seeing it and playing uh, one of the original Sonic the Hedgehog games on it, and it was like, wow, <laughs> you know, Sega in a handheld. And it, it was, I still remember how comfortable it was to actually hold. And the, the buttons Sega had um, were, were always interesting because Nintendo's always had a square... Uh, a, a square D, square or D-directional button, whichever you want to call it, that has always been quite hard to press. It's, you know, and certainly on the 3DS, all the other, the, the X, Y, A and B buttons are sort of hard to press and they're smaller. So, you know, if you, you know, a, a button pounder, as some games require you to be, it can actually start hurting the, the fingers after a while. Whereas the, uh, I, I remember the Sega systems, were a lot more recessed so that your thumbs would actually sit into the buttons a little bit more. And I, I like that feeling. Well, you know, um, talking about playing old games, I still have my original Xbox and we st- it's still hooked up. And we still play it, you know, maybe once a month or so. I, uh, I miss the I original Xbox. I really do. That was a good system. It was. I got mine, I think I got mine like back in 2003 and I've probably got about... 35 or 40 games for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've even got one that I bought that I never bothered to open. I don't even remember what it was, so it's still sealed in the shrink wrap. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, after after my kids came along, the problem was that I'd sit down to play one of those games, and I would get so immersed in the game, I'd look up, oh, it's quarter to one. What? Mm-hmm. It's quarter to one in the morning? Oh, God, i got to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> you know, and it was like, holy crap, because I would just get totally lost. Um, I remember playing Call of Duty. Oh, God, that just killed me, the original Call of Duty on the Xbox. Yep, I remember playing that one as well. I played that, uh, oh, it was either on the Mac or PC, Um I didn't play it at launch. I played it a, a few years later, so I'm, I'm sure it was probably the Mac version. But, you know, that's still a good game to this day. Uh, you know, every, oh, yeah, it let... goes for the latest Call of Duty title that's out there. And, you know, it, it, I'm a bit disappointed, I must say, that they've gone and, and specialized more of their time in the multiplayer. I understand that that's where the market is and that's what consumers want. So, of course, they're going to go for that because that's what's selling the the franchise so well but i do miss having a really really good thorough campaign uh you know i'm playing at the moment call of duty world at war 
and the campaign is just absolutely shocking. It's um, it's just it, it doesn't follow through. You know, it's um, it, it's one of the worst storyline-driven games I've played, but I keep playing it because I, I just like <laughs> shooting people, you know. <laughs> Whenever I, anyone, like, you know, certain listeners to this show who uh, leave certain <laughs> sissy comments, you know, it's like, yep, I'm going to spin that up and I'm going to point my Wiimote at the, the screen and I'm going to shit your head off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, How is Call of Duty on the Wii? I haven't tried it there. Like you said, mine's the original version for the Xbox. You know, I, I like shooters on, on the Wii format, and I think that's why, um, you know, something like uh, the PlayStation Move has been relatively popular, because certainly, you know, being able to either get a, uh, a controller and point it where you want to shoot or put it into, you know, a gun accessory kind of thing and, and sort of really feel like you, you're in the game. It does add a little bit more realism than just using the control sticks to point. The big problem that I've always had, though, with the Wii, with first-person shooters, is when you do sort of move towards the edge of the screen with the controller, you can just go 360 degrees and start spinning while they're still shooting Ooh. at your backside, you know. And you can you can literally lose your bearings and lose where you're up to. Um, it's not as easy to get back on track. And uh, certainly in, in uh, this version that I'm playing, there's no button that you can press to, to bring you back, you know, to, to which way you previously were if you start to get in a, a twirl. But it's very enjoyable. Um... I'd, I'd say it's well worth it um, playing Call of Duty on the Wii just for the experience. Um, oh, great, and, you just cost me more money. <laughs> you know, it, it's not the best experience, but um, it's far from the worst. And re remember, too, World at War is, uh, you know, it's going back four years old now, I think. I'd, I'd probably recommend getting um, the latest uh, Call of Duty game, uh, which... Uh, God, this is, I'm going to lose geek points if I guess. I think it's Black Ops is the latest one. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I don't know. They keep releasing them every November. I, I just know that much. And I'm I'm a few behind, so uh, apologies if I'm wrong with that. But uh, I'd I get the latest one because the, the reviews for the, the latest one is that it's absolutely spectacular even on the Wii. Um <laughs> And, you know, they, so, they keep refining it, keep getting better, so uh, it's well worth it. Um, and another good one while we're talking about the Wii to get, and it's only on the Wii, it's an exclusive, is Epic Mickey. That one I love, and the kids have a great time with that as well. I just love the historical value that they've put into that game. They've really gone back to the archives, pulled out some really, you know, just just classic cartoons that they've then implemented into the game and then to be able to actually paint the game to then proceed through the game and it reminds me in places of some of the Prince of Persia games which I really love where you've sort of got to figure out how to do this uh, or God of War similar style games where you've got to go okay in order to oh, yeah. open this gate I've got to go and switch this lever then that lever then somehow I've got to get across to that ledge 
in order to jump on this and then I've got to quickly run and then, you know, <laughs> jump and, and so forth to get through. And I love that type of gameplay because it irritates you when you don't get it and then you have to keep going back and keep trying. But then once you do get it, it's just great. Um, well, that's why I like the uh, Lego titles on the Wii. You know, Lego Star Wars, Lego Indiana Jones. and They're all the same type of thing. You know, you got to push this, pull that, run over here, do that, do it in the right order. They're great for that kind of thing, and I love those. I said, how violent can it get with Legos? They fall apart, and you put them back together again. You know? <laughs> yeah, it is kind of cute <laughs> in a certain way. Um, you know what? This has been pretty much a gaming show today, Kevin. Yeah, we have kind of just kind of gone off on a tangent, but hey, we don't care. That's what we're here for, to geek out on a topic Absol or a topic. Absolutely. And, you know, one of my favorite gaming systems, although I, I don't know if you'd call it a gaming system, but, you know, when you're a kid growing up, it definitely was a gaming system, and that was the Commodore 64. Um, I used to love that system, and, and you know, that sort of it came back to mind because the uh, the founder of the, the Commodore uh, company passed away only uh, in the last, I believe, a week or so ago, uh, Jack Tramiel. And uh, it, it sort of, you know, you go through the history and you think, wow, you know, I, uh, I used to love that system. And, you know, I remember the tape drives when you'd put in a tape, oh, you'd, yeah. hit, you'd hit play and then you'd sit there and you'd wait patiently for the tape to play through and, and load up the game. You know, that was computing gold. None of this buy it on the app store, put it on a iPad and then tap the button and away you go. You know, my kids won't even wait for it. I, I downloaded a, a Curious George game for them yesterday and, um, you know, they were just, you know, crowding me over the iPad and, and going, is it done yet? Is it done yet? And it's like, no, watch the little blue line, you know, and but they, yeah. were, they were nagging me and it's like, do you realize back in the day, <laughs> you know, <laughs> This would take five minutes to load something on something you already had. You know, you, you had to literally load it manually and um, uh, just, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, certainly it was a, uh, certainly sad for uh, to see Mr. Tremell pass, and uh, he's a great pioneer. Um, you know, related back to stuff back in the day, though, also there was uh, a Kickstarter, or I've seen there was a new Kickstarter project for the old Leisure Suit Larry game. Do you remember Leisure Suit Larry? I, you know what I do, and I remember the um, total screw-up that they released in about 2009 that was absolutely shocking. Um, yeah, but there's a Kickstarter project um, that's getting started by the guy that created and they're going to redo it and bring it back out again. So I, I'm curious to see what it was because I can really... I got to play that on a four-color screen. You know, that was just... It was unbelievable the stuff Larry would do, you know, when you could tell him to do things. Yes, well, so. certainly in the 2009 version, he'd do stuff all right. I can't say that it was done well. It was, um, I don't know, it, it's like Duke Nukem forever. Um, you know, so many years in production, so many high opinions of would it be a good game, wouldn't it be a good game, and it ended up flopping, and it just wasn't good. It was... Uh, you know, it, it's a shame, really, I guess. Yeah, it is It is a shame when they take a franchise and screw it up, but, you know. And look, I, sometimes I do good jobs. I mean, some, you know, uh, oh, it's not that old, I guess, but they keep redoing Prince of Persia games, and I just 
love them. They they keep getting better and better. Um, I haven't played in one of the recent ones. I'll have to give that a try too. Yeah, d- definitely do that because they they do get more challenging. I, I uh, maybe I shouldn't say more challenging, but I, I suppose there's more to do on it. So <laughs> there's more challenges. Uh, no kidding. No kidding. Oh, I tell you, the things we used to do for entertainment. Yeah, and some of them aren't legal anymore, but we won't go into that right now. <laughs> not at all. And, you know, I, I've got to say, I, I'm not a... I, I may play a lot of iOS games or or portable games that are on all these different iPhones and so forth. Uh, iPhone, Android, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I just, I don't like them that much. You know, I, I play them because I review them. Um, right. But, boy, I love just getting a proper console back in my hands again. You know, as as bad as they can sometimes be and as bad as some of the third-party games are, 90% of the time they're better than the crap that's been pumped out on the portable platforms. And uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just me having another whinge and whine, but, you know. I, you're having a whinge and a whine. When has this happened before? Please, please inform me of a date and time when we've had to do this. Yeah, you know what? On not another Mac podcast, uh, Suzanne Gilbert said to me, "Mark, I've never heard you whine this much." And and that was on the last episode she was on, which I think was episode fifty-one. And I said, "What? You've never listened to another one of my shows on the Geekiest Show ever?" And she goes, "No, I have, but this is the worst you've ever whinged about anything." And I'm like. Wow, you're actually keeping track. <laughs> That's pretty cool. You know? It's like, oh, Christ. But, you know, if I don't whinge on shows and if I don't rant on shows, then I get in trouble because people message me and say, oh, you know, it's getting boring. You're not ranting anymore. And, you know, so. Hey, your rants have become historic, so please don't ever give them up. <laughs> and, you know what, I'm sure other people rant as well on other shows, but, uh, I don't know, some people like mine. Maybe it's just this whiny, whingy Aussie just complaining about everything because, you know, by the time we get a game out here, we're paying $100 for a brand new title <laughs> and uh, getting screwed for it. Thank God we can import some things, but uh, <laughs> the other things that we can't, it's like, oh, we really have to pay that? Are you kidding me? So, uh, anyway, that's enough about me, Kevin, and I think the listeners have put up with me for long enough today. Do you think they've put up long enough with you yet? Um, I don't know. Is there ever too much of me? I don't and don't so. anybody dare answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I, could, I could keep listening to both of us ramble on all day, but uh, I think we've reached that time of the show where it's time to say goodbye and farewell for another week and uh and remind everyone to hug a geek yes be sure this week to hug a geek indeed so uh kevin and throughout the week where can all the listeners excluding excluding that very very rude listener who said that we were sissies uh where can the good listeners find you they can find me on Twitter, where I spend way too much time, uh, most people would say, at twitter.com slash B-I-G underscore I-N underscore V-A. Or if you want to see links to everything else that I can do or might have a hand or a fist or a foot in, go over to about.me forward slash Kevin Alder, and you'll find links there to everything else. 
Fantastic. And for myself, you can go to everydaymaxsupport.com and you can find out everything about me there if you wish, which you probably don't by now, but that's all right. If, if you do go across there, just click on some of the ads there. That helps me pay the bills. Uh, just don't tell Google I said that. Uh, anyway, and for the uh, Geekiest Show Ever, go across to geekiestshowever.com. Um, hey, you know what, Kevin? I did ask Tim what the email was, but he hasn't got back to me yet. <laughs> oh, well. I, I don't know. I don't think we're ever going to get this email address. Uh, you know, if you've been listening to the Geekiest Show Ever for years, you know what? You'll know where to find the email address. If not, just send me an email at help at everydaymaxsupport.com and I'll certainly forward uh, anything on to Kevin that comes across, and it, you know, even if it is from that rude listener. Yeah, sissy's my ass. Absolutely. And on that note, we're going to sign out. Everyone take care and have a great week and we shall see you next week. Goodbye. And folks, until next week, don't forget to hug a geek. Ever think about becoming a podcaster? Thinking, wow, you know, that's probably way too hard. Well, we have a solution. The Stoplight Network is looking for brand new shows to join the network. Won't cost you a dime. In fact, you might actually make some money off of it. So if you've always wanted to podcast, and it seemed way too daunting, drop me a line. My name is Tim Robertson. I am the host of TechFan. I started the MyMac Podcasting at the dawn of podcasting, and I can help you get your podcast up and running. Simply send an email to Tim, that's T-I-M, at MyMac, M-Y-M-A-C, dot com. Tim at MyMac.com. Let's get your show ready for primetime. time.